Welcome to Doing Time with Joe. I'm your host, Joe Baker. And I'm your co-host, Anais Lucia. And welcome to the podcast. So today we have a really great episode. This is going to be about the ways that you can support, you know, friend or loved one in prison. So, Joe, what would you suggest? Okay, thank you. Thank you for that introduction. Um, well, the first thing I need to say is this. Um, yeah, I've read one statistic. It's either one in four one in five uh, people, black and brown people in this country, either know somebody or is related to somebody that's incarcerated. Mm-hmm. You know, and we got like 2.2 million people that are incarcerated. That means in jail or prison, and another seven to 10 million people that are on uh, parole or probation. So that's a lot of people that we're dealing with. And I'm going to talk about, give my views as far as how best you can support people in that situation, in prison, out of prison, that, you know, have gone through the system. From a positive standpoint, mm-hmm. when I was preparing for the episode, I thought about giving advice on both ways, but, you know, we need to get to the point to where we are creating an environment to where people that are in prison or people that have gotten out of prison have hope. Mm-hmm. Because right now, that's not what we're getting. So I'm going to get start like, by explaining to people, when you talk about supporting somebody in prison, most people think that it means of putting money on the phone, uh, money on the commissary, or, or visiting somebody in prison. Mm-hmm. All of that's fine, and, and that's needed. It's important. But it's a drop in the bucket as to what's really needed. Mm-hmm. I think that <clears throat> one of the best ways, well, I, I'm, let me put it like this. I'm, I'm going to tackle four areas that I think need to be addressed when you talk about supporting somebody in prison. And you can do this whether you have somebody in prison that you love or care about or somebody's gone through the system or not. And those four areas are uh, financially, educationally, uh, socially, and politically. Now, I'm going to talk about the financial aspects first. Mm -hmm. Um, With me, one of the things that I think about when you're dealing with people in prison or people getting out of prison, one thing that everybody needs to focus on is there is no retirement plan for criminals. None. Mm-hmm. No retirement plan. And while you're in prison, well, specifically in Tennessee, I'm saying Tennessee, mm-hmm. the majority of people make less than 50 cents an hour. That's it. Mm-hmm. For working. Six, eight hour days. Wow. You know? You're right. Yeah. And some of us work seven days a week, but we don't get paid for seven days a week. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? We just do it because the job still has to be done. But we only get paid, the majority of us, is 50 cents or less per hour. That's it. So how can you help somebody financially in prison other than putting money on their books so they can buy a commissary or put money on the phone so they can call you Mm -hmm. or coming to visit me? I'm suggesting that people start to take a real proactive approach and start to set up bank accounts or investment accounts for people that are in prison. Mm. You got to have a plan financially. So when people get out of here, they have something that they can, monies that they can use to go on about their lives in a positive way. Get them, give them a head start. For example, if you've been in prison, you got somebody you love in prison, you're going to be here for five years. Mm-hmm. Instead of sending them, and I know a lot of people in prison that, that, that hear this are going to be pissed off at me, but I really believe this. <laughs> uh, 
instead of sending them a hundred dollars a month for a commissary and phone and, 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 and visiting and spending two hundred dollars in the visiting gallery so they can eat some hot wings and hamburgers out of the vending machine mm-hmm. why don't you take and cut that in half put half of that in an investment account not a not a traditional bank account where you're getting less than two percent Mm-hmm. But put that in an investment account and, oh. and go talk to a financial planner at the bank. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That way, when they get out after five years, you've been putting $50 a month in there, whatever the case may be. After they get out or when they get ready to get out, they're going to have a pretty nice piece of money that they can deal with, work with when they get out. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think that, that you, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, it's actually a really good idea. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, I just, you know, I I do it. You know what I'm saying? I have an investment account, you know. Um, it wasn't hard to do, you know. Uh, I got the investment account open. You know, my, my girlfriend, she helped me get the account open. And I have an account with E-Train. That's it. You know, I invest in stocks. You know what I'm saying? I own some stocks in a few different companies. I'm not going to plug the companies because they're not paying me. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I have investments. You know what I'm saying? Now, in some places, I know in Tennessee, if you have a problem with whatever, you you can go through the prison system and they, I don't know if they help you or not, but in a lot of places, they want you to let them know what you're doing, you know, mm-hmm. but I just had power turn over to my family and I let them do it for me, you know what I'm saying? Because I just don't, uh, I don't want everybody in my business to see my financials, you know, but I'm not doing anything illegal because I gave power turning to my family to do it. Another thing that you can do to help somebody financially in prison is to teach them and talk to them about budgeting their money. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, most people in here do not get that. We've been living how the house, you know, as far as, you know, criminal lifestyle, spending as we get it and all of that kind of stuff. But we never learn to budget money. We have to start learning to do that. And you've got to talk to the person that you care about in here and get them to start doing it. And if you don't have somebody that you love in prison, when it comes to dealing with finances, let this be a conversation that you will have with the politicians, mm-hmm. the people that make policy. You know, that I'm not saying that they should force us to do it because, you know, we have a big problem with people forcing us to do stuff. Mm-hmm. But I do believe that it should be something more widely available for people in prison so that they can have a nice nest egg when they get out. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, you got any more questions as far as this one goes before I go to the next area that I think that we need to be focusing on? No, I just, I, I think there are good ideas, especially, um, you know, the education, you know, how, what they say, education is power. So, um, yeah, yeah that's, that's really good. So what do you mean with, um, as you had mentioned earlier, like not on the podcast, like right now, but earlier when we were talking about giving like advice that was specific to the person. So what would you mean by that? Right. It's specific to a person. Okay, good. Good question. Um, a lot of people uh, are frivolous with money. Specifically in this area, I'm going to talk about specific to the person with when it comes to finance. Mm. You have to know who you're dealing with. Mm. And you have to sit down and have a plan. You have to talk to them and you got to be honest because the majority of people in here, man, I hate to say this, but it's the truth. The majority of people in here manipulate to get their money and use it for things that they have no business doing. And sometimes, I'm going to say the majority of the time, our family members, they know that we're not 
above board on what we're doing, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But they want to support you, they want to help you, so they'll send the money anyway. Because the majority of the things that you have to do in here, it's about surviving, mm -hmm. right? So what's the only other way that people in prison make money? Legal money is, is as far as what we make when we work, but the other side of it is the illegal money. You know, and when you send money to your loved ones to pay for this or pay for that, we're looking at it as survival. But in the end of the day, you know, I've had a lot of years to think about this. It doesn't do any good for us to continue to support that mindset because it continues to reinforce, let me put it that way, it continues to reinforce that criminal mindset. So we got to break free from that. So when I say specific to the person, Mm -hmm. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with your loved one and say, look, we can't keep doing this. If I'm going to be sending you money, I'm going to make sure that you have something so when you get out that you're able to do whatever it is that you want to do legally. Mm -hmm. That's what I mean by being specific to the person. Okay. You know, be honest with yourself and, and the person that you love. And, and if you don't have the knowledge that you need to be able to uh, like, be successful, and I'm giving like your stocks and stuff like that, then Go to your local bank. I'm sure they have financial planners or people that can help you with that and say, look, I got a loved one in prison. I got an account for him, this or her. This is what I want to try to do. I want to put this amount of money up every month so that they'll be able to do this when they get out. This money is not to be touched. It's to be rolled over. You know, whatever it is that they do with it, mm -hmm. you know, and invest it. And that's what I mean by being specific to the person. Okay. You know, be honest with yourself about who you're dealing with. You know what I mean? Yes. So uh, you mentioned like different ways to help people. So you said like financially, um, educate uh, through education, and then politically, and the other one was um, socially or socially. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Okay. Let me let me speak socially. That's that's the next one. Okay. That's more on a mental level. You know, when you come to prison, some of the first advice that I was given when I came to prison was look. Cut yourself off from the outside world. You're here now, and what goes on in prison, this is your life, and so on and so forth. Never bought into that. I'm glad I didn't. I have a lot of friends that did, and the truth be told, they're cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs today. Mm. And what I mean by that is that they can't even carry on a decent conversation with anybody. And they look back and they're like, man, I cut myself off from my family. Uh, I got a friend that hasn't talked to anybody in his family in the last 17 years. Oh, wow. Nobody. The only people that he's had contact with is people in prison. That's people that work in prison. That's it. He hasn't been to visit. He, he doesn't call his family. and But he gets on the phone. He has a girlfriend. Mm -hmm. And he'll call her maybe once every three or four months. And I'm like, how do you maintain a relationship doing that? It's hard enough, you know, being uh. in here and having a relationship you, you're not even talking to her, so I don't know what you got. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, you got more of a pit pile than anything. But <laughs> that, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I'll read him talk like that. You know, I'm not saying anything that he does, has not heard, so, you know, I don't get out like that. But the point I'm making is, when it comes socially, keep your loved one involved in what you're doing. You know, I remember my sister, when she got married, uh, I asked her to send me wedding invitation. I want to see it. I want to be a part of it as much as I can. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. uh, I want the pictures of the kids. I want my car home. Tell me what's going on. Uh, those types of things. You got to stay involved socially because what will happen to you, even if you do all of the things that I'm talking about, what will happen to you 
you'll become somewhat institutionalized and antisocial. You know, every yeah. time that I go to visit, right? Yeah. Every time that I go to visit, when I'm walking through that hallway, I'll get to get there. Right before I step outside where everybody's at, I get this overwhelming, you know, it's, it's anxiety. It just runs out through, and I'm like, what's on the other side of that door? I can hear the voices of the people out there, you know, and I know my family's out there, but it's just me stepping into that room with people that I have not or don't know, and it just makes me nervous. Mm-hmm. And I do all of the things that I know to do to stay socially connected. I do all of those things, but I still have a problem going in a room with strangers and people that I don't know. You know, I had a friend that got out of prison once and uh, he's dead now, I may rest in peace, but mm-hmm. he got out of prison and his sisters had taken him to the mall and they were walking in the mall and while they were walking, all of a sudden he froze up and just stopped. It stopped dead in his tracks and they kept walking and then they turned around and looked and said, what is wrong with you? He said, take me back to the car, I can't do this yet. Mm-hmm. It was just too much for him. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And when you're in here, you're surrounded by strength. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, you really can't form those type of bonds and those social connections that you need to where you can just be a decent person, decent human being. Mm-hmm. You know, the relationships in here are transactional. It's all about surviving for the most part. But you'll make a few good friends. I got some guys in here that I call my brothers. I really... You know, have bonded about. I've been able to open up to them like that. But the, for the most part, you don't get to do that. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's one of the things that, one of the ways that you can help somebody in prison, uh, you know, keep them in tune with what's going on out there. Tell them about all the latest things, even though they might not be able to do it. Tell them about your trips. Uh, tell them about your ups and your downs. Keep them involved. Keep them engaged mm-hmm. so that they don't lock in and let this become all that they want to do. You know what I'm saying? Because this place here will drain you and it'll turn you into something that you won't even recognize. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. I was wondering, like, um, you know, just because I, for anyone listening, I personally don't have, haven't had an experience of knowing someone who was in prison, but just from what I've seen in movies and like TV shows, that's why I'm asking you because, you know, this is just what I've seen is like, um, I, I just wonder if there are, you know, inmates who maybe, you know, they end up becoming distant from like friends and family and stuff. Do you find it's usually because they pushed them away or because the family and friends were like, well, you're in prison, so we don't want like they don't want to be involved with them anymore or maybe both. You see both or. Oh, a great question. Uh, a lot of times, a lot of times it's the person in prison pushing them away. Mm. Uh, and sometimes it's indirect on you know, people that I've talked to. They've told their girlfriend or their wife, uh, go ahead on with your life. You know, I'm not going to be there. Go ahead on. Mm. They regret it. You mm. know what I'm saying? But they do it. And then uh, I also read a statistic uh, about family members, how they, when they distance themselves, after about five years of being in prison, the family usually moves on without you. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, you, you call home and stuff like that, but uh, you don't get that same kind of conversation that you did when you first got locked up or before you uh, got locked up. It's, it's, it's different. But the truth of the matter is, it is different. Mm-hmm. You're here, they're there. But that should not, that should not, you know, prevent you from wanting to know what's going on. A lot of times the guys are here 
you know, we don't want to know what's going on because it hurts. Mm. You're at the swimming pool, you know, you're out at Old Charlie's, you know, that kind of stuff. You know, you're going to a concert or you're going to a football game or something like that or going to the movies. You know, when you hear that, you know, it's like at first you got you got to catch yourself because you feel depressed. It's like, dang, I can't do that. You know, I got some friends in here. They like, I wish it just start snowing so can't nobody go out nowhere. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why would you want that? If I can't go out, they don't need to be going out. You know, and and, it, and it's not it's not that they don't want their families to enjoy life. It's just that they get you know they get lonely and they 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 want to be involved, but you can't be involved. You got to do your time. You know, but I, if I had to say, I say it would be fifty fifty. Mm-hmm. You know, fifty percent. We push people away, and 50% our families push us away. You know, sometimes they don't even realize it, you know. Sometimes they don't even realize it. A lot of my friends, uh, when I call home and talk to my uncle or anybody in my family, they'll say, such such said, tell you, hey. And I'm like, whoever I'm talking to, I'll say, help me remember who they are. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then they'll have to say something. You know, you was in school with them or you played ball against them or whatever the case may be. And, and I'm like, well, who are they, mom and daddy? Where do they live? What street they live on? And then it'll click back. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because I have a hard time. And like I say, I do all of the things that I'm recommending. And I still have a hard time remembering what a lot of the people that I grew up with look like. I just can't remember. Oh, okay. I just can't remember. You know, and it's not like I wanted to forget them. But when you're in prison, in Tennessee specifically, you can only put 10 numbers on your phone list. You know what I'm saying? So it's, mm-hmm. you got to pick 10 people that you're going to be communicating with throughout your sentence. You can change it mm-hmm. every three or four months, you know what I'm saying? But at any given time, at one particular, in the, uh, you know, at any given time, it's only 10 people that you can talk to at one time, you know? So mm-hmm. it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. Know? I mean, I feel like it would help um, just because, I mean, even if you're not in prison, it's just like a nece- like necessary for humans to, I think, just live having that connection with other people and especially and then if you're in mm-hmm. prison you know that's already hard so if you're kind of going through it without any kind of support or anything it just makes it i was assume you know a lot harder so i think that is definitely like a very important thing to have oh, that support system and connection it's very important very important it is it's, it's probably the social connections that you need to continue to nurture, they're probably more important than all the others. You know what I mean? Mm. Because it, it does something to you when you don't have contact with decent people. Not to say anything about anybody in here, you know, but this is, this, this is prison. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, you, you want contact with people other than the people in here. You just You need it. You have to have it. You have to have it. Mm-hmm. And I think that goes hand in hand with you know the negative behavior that you see in here and, and people constantly getting in trouble because they don't have that connection to the outside world period mm-hmm. you know they don't have it and the next area that i want to talk about is mm-hmm. education very important very important because when it when you're talking about education you got to remember the average person in prison i don't know if you know this or not but the average person in prison reads on a seventh grade level or lower, or lower, wow. and that's it. You know? Yeah, yeah. Now they have school that you can go to. Uh, if you're under 21, they make you go to high school. You know, ABE class get you oh. uh, GED. Mm-hmm. You have to do that, and I think that's great policy. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I, I think if you don't have it, unless you have some kind of mental issue, that you know, 
prevents you from learning at a, at a certain pace, I think everybody should have to do it, you know. But I also believe that they should offer college. They took that away from us in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And, but we have university. We have different schools, you know, Austin P, Western Kentucky, you know, Vanderbilt, um, all the Bible colleges. They come in here and they, you know, they teach us for free. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But we don't get it. We don't get credits for it. We just get the I mean, certificates and stuff like that. But we still learn the we learn the curriculum. We do the same curriculum that they do at the colleges and stuff. So we're getting the knowledge. We're just not getting the credit for the knowledge. You know what I'm saying? Oh, okay. Uh, right. But I think that's important. But uh, when when you're talking about education, me, I, I love business. I love all things business, and I believe that one of the main things that we need to start teaching people in prison to do is to uh, run their own business or learn how to uh, and, uh, get involved with other people's business whether it's investing uh, uh, you know having a job working for somebody I, I, I think that you get a better appreciation with the more knowledge that you know about in a specific field they just don't teach us any of that stuff mm-hmm. they do not bother to teach us that they now as far as like uh, some prisons you have heating and air classes, which are great, uh, but that is the main thing that they teach at the majority of the prisons in Tennessee, as far as I know, anyway. And that is not something that everybody wants to do. It's just a very limited thing when it comes to education about being in prison, because a lot of people don't believe that we should be educated, you know. And I think that another factor that leads to continued criminal behavior. Mm. You know, and I think that, like, yeah, I do. I really believe that. I really believe that. Yeah, yeah, people like give give up on on them, on the inmates, and yeah. I feel like it, that's why it's important to yeah, help right. them like improve their lives instead of just being like, well, you did this mistake, so you're you can't redeem, you can't be redeemed ever, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I wish we had more of a model like Germany does. Uh, Germany, after the Holocaust, they changed a lot of the laws over there, and their prisons are just amazing as far as prisons go mm-hmm. in the way they conduct and, and run them. They recognize, this is law, this is law, what I'm about to tell you. Mm-hmm. They recognize the humanity in the person, separate from the crime. And in that, they say that this person deserves the same treatment that a, a, a person that hasn't committed a crime deserves. Meaning, when they go to prison, uh, in some of these places in the uh, 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 EU and in Germany, they go to the prison with their cell phones. Uh, they, they they let them have regular contact with their families. They let them have jobs in the community. Now, if you have a violent offense, you have to do a certain amount of years, and then you can do those things. But they across the board, they allow for every opportunity that's there for you to change your life, you know? Mm-hmm. And I know when people, it is an amazing thing. You should check it out, so check it out. Mm-hmm. And another thing about that is that, you know, people, in the in, when a crime is committed, everybody looks at this person and he's a monster, scumbag, and all of this. Stuff. And in that moment, I'm not going to disagree with you. I'm just not going to do that because I get it. I get that anger, that frustration, that fear, mm-hmm. you know? But... Just remember this, in 10 years, in five years, that person is not going to be the person that you're looking at. Mm-hmm. 
right then. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. They're not. They're not. Most people in here change after 10 years. I don't know what it is about the 10 years, but most people in here, they are not the person that committed the crime to put them here. And we need to be more open to that. I hope, I would wish that society could be more open to that and allow for, you know, people that have these enormous senses. And some of them are deserved. I'm not saying that, you know, people shouldn't get, you know, the maximum penalties for the crimes that they commit, especially if they're violent offenses. But I also believe that uh, after 10 years, there should be some kind of mechanism in place that will allow for an individual of a violent nature that committed a violent crime to be able to apply and say, look, take another look at me. You know what I'm saying? I'm not that person that I was before, you know. Mm. And based on a whole lot of other criteria, you know, I think that, you know, the system needs to be open to that and, and educate the public more about, you know, what really goes on in here. The last thing that I want to impress upon people is that want to support people in prison. And whether you have somebody in prison or not, this is important. And that's from a political standpoint. You, especially family members, you need to become an advocate. You need to become an advocate. Why is that important? It's important because in here, you don't have a voice. You don't have a voice. And your family members, the people that believe the system needs to be reformed, those, all of you are our forces. But I don't believe that you should be calling downtown or wherever the, the uh, headquarters is for whatever Department of the Corrections you're talking about, complaining that we don't get ice cream and, and, dough, and popcorn. That's not what I'm talking about, being an advocate. I'm talking about being an advocate for policy change policies that will uh, like a referendum they have in Tennessee where they're trying to abolish the 13th Amendment. Mm -hmm. People need to get involved in that. Our family members need to get involved. Uh, they have rules and regulations that allow them in here to basically uh, treat us like slaves. Let me give you a good example of this. Okay. I got some friends, they work on the landscaping, you know, landscaping where they mow the yards and stuff like that mm -hmm. and, and manicure the, 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 the yards around here. These yards look like, you know, you, like the manicured lawns at the White House. You know what I'm saying? Looking nice. Looking real nice. Mm -hmm. The other day, a friend of mine that works on the landscaping crew, he came and he was real upset. And I said, man, what's going on? He was like, man, he said, uh, and I'm not going to say who it was, but one of the officials told him and his his landscaping crew to put the mowers up, put the uh, weed eaters up, get down on your hands and knees and pull the grass up with your hands. Mm. And I was like, oh, they ain't done nothing like that. And he was like, yes, they did. And they said, if you don't do it, we're going to write you up. That means give you a disciplinary. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. And then ship you to another prison. Now, that matters because this prison is laid back, you know what I'm saying, compared to all the other prisons in the state. Mm -hmm. And most people here just want to lay back and do their time and eventually go home. Mm -hmm. So they don't want to get shipped out. So a couple other guys, they got down on their hands and knees and they pulled the grass up, you know. Mm -hmm. And they came in mad, humiliated, but they don't have a voice. We don't have a voice, you know. And I know some people out there, some people out there will say, that. that's what they deserve. Mm. But again, I want to impress upon you, 
that that type of behavior, that type of behavior, whether you think people are here deserve it or not, causes people to become bitter. And if the goal is to make people better, to 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 punish people for their crimes by separating them from their families, by putting them in prison, that is the punishment. The rest of the stuff that they do is just because they can. It doesn't have any logical uh, uh, end to it. It's just do this because I told you to, not because this is going to make you a better person, not because this is going to help build your character. It's because I want to see you get down on your hands and knees and pull grass up with your hands. That's why, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And I just think that, you know, if we had more people, more people, our family members and people that think that the system needs to be changed, that were involved politically with the system, forcing and holding the governors accountable and the, the Department of Corrections commissioners accountable to them, the voters, saying, look, we want our family members, our fellow citizens to come out of there better than they went in. Because mm-hmm. keep in mind, 95%, I think it's 95 or 98% of all the people that are in prison are going to be getting out one day. Now, that the time frame ranges from anywhere from five years to 60 years, but they're going to get out. You feel what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So what type of person do you want living next door to you? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's true. Yeah. And I think that's probably uh, for people that may not have somebody in prison that they care about, that but they want to support people in prison and help change the system, mm-hmm. get involved. Okay. Get involved politically. There's a whole lot of organizations out there that you can get involved in. And this is not about so that we can eat ice cream and popcorn. This is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about demanding that our education is better. Demanding that uh, we are treated like decent human beings. Again, people say we might not deserve it, but I say let's play the long game here. Let's play the long game. You want people to get out of here better than they were when they came here. So, you know, I get it when you say that people are here scumbags, but mm-hmm. how does that benefit you when they get out of prison? You know? Yeah, that's true. That's because um, you mentioned Germany earlier, and I know in Norway, they really focus it's kind of similar where they focus on rehabilitation of Mm -hmm. uh the prisoners and they have a less like their recidivism rate is a lot lower because they really try to you know make them better people it is Mm -hmm. just think about it like this if you had uh, a ceo of a fortune 500 company with a billion dollar budget like this this Department of Corrections in Tennessee, they have it's either right at a billion or it's a little bit over a billion dollar budget, right? Mm-hmm. Billion dollars. And you had a recidivism rate of 50% or better, right? Mm-hmm. And it transposed that recidivism rate to uh, you're losing revenue at a 50% rate in the company that you're running. What do you think would happen to the CEO? Seriously. They'd get rid of them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not saying that they should get rid of the commissioner. I'm looking at the system overall because it's not just one commissioner at any particular time's fault. I'm saying the entire prison system needs to be changed. It needs to be more about rehabilitation, restoration, you know, and so that you turn out a person better than they were when they came in here. And I just don't, for the life of me, I just don't understand why that's not policy. 
And I think that if more people got involved and said, look, people that commit crimes deserve to be punished. But when part of that punishment is to rehabilitate you know what I'm saying? And rehabilitation requires opportunity. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And that opportunity leads to hope. Mm. And if you have hope, then, I mean, almost anything is possible. I really believe that. If you have hope, almost anything is possible. Most people here don't have hope. They mm. just don't. Yeah, because it doesn't have anything to do with the number of years that they have. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, just because the, the hope gives them kind of maybe something to work towards, like some kind of end goal that they can kind of keep in mind, maybe. Right, right. If you have any more questions for me, come on with it. If not, you know. <laughs> uh, so do you feel it's uh, necessary for, you know, for a person to take full responsibility for their actions? I do. That's, that's important because if you don't take responsibility for your actions, then that, that doesn't lead to a change. If you don't, like I say, part of taking responsibility for your action is apologizing. Mm. Whether you're in front of the victims or not is not the point. You have to commit to changing your life. If you commit to changing your life, that is accepting responsibility. That is part of the apology. Whether you ever verbalize that or not, uh, that change has to be led by or preempted by you accepting full responsibility for what you did. And when I say full responsibility, I mean full responsibility. I don't care who told on you. I don't want to hear any of that because I got a lot of friends in here, people I associate with rather, that uh, say, well, if they would have never told on me, I wouldn't be in here. And I counter them by saying, no, if you wouldn't have been doing that, you wouldn't be in here. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And then they just look at me and like, who are you? You know what I'm saying? What, what do you mean? <laughs> Why are you even talking like that? And I try to explain to them, I've come to a, a point in my life to where, you know, this, what I did was not about, you know, who told on me or, or didn't tell on me. It was about what I did. It was about what I did. Somebody telling on me didn't change the fact that I did it. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And that's why I believe that people should take full responsibility for their actions, you know. Okay. Uh, I do. Do you have anything um, concerning maybe, you know, gangs, like any advice concerning that? Say that again, I couldn't hear you. Relating to gangs? Okay, yeah. This is another thing that I recommend that individuals in prison don't do, and I recommend that family members of people in prison try to discourage them from doing that because if they, they might think that joining the gang is going to protect them, they might think that, you know, it's going to give them this family that they say they didn't have, or, and, and it may be true that they didn't have you know, the type of family unit that they wanted out there. But joining a gang is not going to solve that for them. I'm telling you, I know this. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I know. In, in most cases, I'm going to tell you something else, it's going to make it worse. It's going to make it worse because once once you get in, once you get in, I, I, I say this a lot about gang life. It's the myth. It's the myth of what it is that wants people, that attracts people to it. You know what I'm saying? Mm, they okay. see it from the outside looking in, and they're like, oh man, look at them guys over there. They they, they stick together, they, they're breaking bread, everybody's getting money, uh, everybody's looking out for each other, everybody's got this, everybody's got that. But then when you become part of it, you see the reality. You know, it's the myth that, attract, that attracts you to it. It's the reality that traps you with it. You know, and that's what people 
you know, need to focus on. And if you have somebody in prison that you love, you need to do everything you can to discourage them from going down that road. Because once they do that, it's going to be hard for them to walk away from it. And it's going to involve you too, whether you realize it or not. Because a lot of times they ask the family members or the new members to do certain things for them. And it always leads to problems. You know, so I think that if you got somebody in prison and you love them, tell them don't do it. Tell them don't do it, you know? Is there a way that, like, because, you know, a lot of, you know, especially if you're young, you're, you know, rebellious teenager, usually if someone tells you don't do something, you're going to want to do it. So is there, like, a way to discourage them without doing it that way by maybe, like, instead of, like, directly being, like, don't do that, maybe just encouraging them to do something else, like, oh, join this club or join, you know, be in the sports team or, I don't know, something like that, just have them do be occupied yeah, with another thing that's a good point and that, and, that, and that goes back to what I was saying at the beginning is that you gotta have a plan mm. and as a family member or, 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 or a loved one of somebody in here develop a plan with them when they come in here they're gonna be terrified okay they're gonna be terrified sit down and say look this is what we're gonna do together this is the plan for okay. the next five years for your life we're gonna do A, B, and C and then you come up with some things that they can do periodically to keep them on track that'll keep them away from that you know what I'm saying <laughs> and they'll stay away from that so yeah that's a good idea come up with alternative things that you can do with them don't leave it just to them because keep in mind they are going to be afraid and they're vulnerable when they first come in here and it even applies to people that have been here for years if you have if you uh, come in contact with somebody that's in prison or however that happens and you say, well, what, what have you been doing with your life? What would you like to do with your life? How can I help you? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Do you want to be better when you get ready to come out than you were coming in? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then develop a plan, hold them accountable, and push. You know what I'm saying? Push them to do that. Because I'm telling you, it's very talented people in here. One of the biggest things that they lack is the education and the opportunity. That's what they like. Okay. You know, and you got to be honest with people in here. You got to hold them accountable and say to them, look, I'm not going to tolerate that. And don't, don't, don't get it twisted. People in here will try you. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They'll say, well, I need some money. You know what I'm saying? Could you send this to my friend? Uh, I got, he's going to help me appeal my case. It's going to cost $250, but you send it to him, you know, this way. If you don't send it to him this way, then they're, they're not going to help me. Don't do it. Don't do it. If you're trying to get somebody to help somebody that you love in prison, you need to know who you're dealing with. You know what I'm saying? Okay. I'm not saying you don't have some good people in here that'll do that, mm-hmm. but you need to know who you're dealing with. And be honest about your loved one. You know if your loved one is shysty or not, or is on the scam. You you can tell. You know what I mean? So, you know, as far as the loved one after, you can tell if your loved one is on the scam. So be honest with them. Say, no, nah, I love you, but I'm not doing that move on next time you know what i mean Mm. you have one minute remaining well i think those are some pretty great suggestions i definitely learned a lot so (laughs) thank you (laughs) okay and i I hope everyone listening did as well i do too i do too well i want to thank you uh for doing this episode um and everybody out there i hope you listen to it and uh we'll see you next week on doing time with joe Thank you for using GTL.